You're listening to Redemption City Church. For more information, check us out at redemptioncitychurch.com. Last week we spoke about our primary identity as being sons of a heavenly father. We reminded ourselves that God chooses to reveal himself as a father over and over and over again in scripture. And uh, you've heard me say this often that in the life of this church, uh, I'm, I'm convinced that there are many pictures of the church in the New Testament, the army, the bride, etc. But for me, one of the strongest pictures of the church in scripture is that of a family and it simply is that because of the, the weight behind God choosing to reveal himself as a father over and over and over again in, uh, in Scripture. And uh, I've struggled with it at times. <clears throat> and I've even had pastors tell me that if you, if you emphasize this thing of church as a family, you will restrict the size of your church. Um, and this is their thinking behind it. They say there's no church, there's no family that is 200, 300, 400, whatever that is, that gathers weekly. It's ridiculous. And so they're talking about getting something, about going away from something of that picture of family and into something else. And, and I, I've, I've got to say this, I, I wrestle with it because like I say, the weight of Scripture for me reveals God as a father to us, and if he reveals himself as a father, if that's how he chooses in his sovereignty to reveal himself as a father that makes us his children, that makes us brothers and sisters, it makes us co-heirs with Christ. Those are not truths I want to give up on real quick. You doing all right? We've got such rich imagery and such rich language around God as the father. I think sometimes we make a little bit too much about spiritual fathers. <clears throat> and when I say that, I, and, and you've heard me say often, I, I think the heart of a pastor is most closely aligned with the heart of a father. I, I'm, con I'm convinced of this. If every one of our pastors, if every one of our elders wanted for everybody in the life of this church what they want for their children, we'd never ever have another pastoral problem ever again until Jesus comes back. It's that heart that wants to see the best in your kids and call the best out of your kids and invest in your kids. We, if we can carry that for the life of the church, we never have another pastoral problem ever again. But I think sometimes we make too much about that. And if we overemphasize a, a human man as a spiritual father at the expense of, this is my heavenly father, and he speaks over me and declares over me. And that thing sometimes can become controlling and diminishing. Because at the extreme of that thing of spiritual fathers, you can't do anything without your spiritual father's permission. And as a physical father, for my boys that are now 19 and 21, I'm telling you that hasn't been true for a number of years. Right? But there's something of this of coming to maturity. And, and I think sometimes we, we, we get so caught up in who's my spiritual father, who's this, who's that, that, that we miss out on a direct line to heaven. 
you know. My, my, the guy that was my spiritual father, and he's still alive, but he's chosen to go off in a different direction. And he was my spiritual father, and I still love him, and I still honor him. I still call him regularly. I still never go through where he lives without calling him and saying, you want to have a cup of coffee? But he's, I can no longer say he's my spiritual father. But here's the thing. My natural father died about 10 years ago. When my natural father died, I didn't go running around saying, does anybody want to be my natural father? <laughs> Listen, the Bible speaks about this in Corinthians. It says this, first the natural and then the spiritual. So there are things that we can learn about spiritual things from the natural world. And just like I didn't have to go and find another natural father, I don't have to go and find another spiritual father because there's an element of maturity that comes to my life. Does that make sense? My natural father died. I don't have to go and find another natural father, but I am a natural father to two young men. Does that make sense? Are you staying with me? My spiritual father left and went off in a different track. I don't have to go and find another spiritual father. I have a direct line and a direct link and a direct connection to my heavenly father. Are you doing all right? So sometimes we just, we get mixed up in this thing of, and I don't have to be your spiritual father for you to be in this church. I don't have to be your spiritual father for you to be able to receive from me. And the fact that I carry a heart, the heart of a father for this church and for every one of you, even for those of you that are older than me. And as I get older, there's less of you that are older than me and more of you that are younger than me. But it doesn't make me your spiritual father. For me to carry the heart of a father, for me to simply want the best for you. Are you, are you doing Okay. We've got to understand some of these things or else we miss out and we limit ourselves. Fathering should be enlarging, not restrictive. Right? It should breathe bigness into us and speak future over us and call destiny out of us. And sometimes it just becomes diminishing and controlling. But what happens when we don't understand our primary identity is we've got to put all of these layers in place. You know, I've got to be like, this guy's my spiritual father. I'm, I'm of this. I'm, I'm of this brand or this denomination or whatever. And we, and we put all these layers or this ministry or, or this is my gifting and this is my calling. And as I, said, as I said last week, if our primary identity is not enough, nothing will ever be enough. We're going to look at the scripture in just a minute. But, but that was the very question the disciples asked Jesus in John chapter 4. Show us the father and that will be enough. And it's like, actually, now you're starting to get it. Yes, when you see the Father, when you see the glory of God, when you understand that He is your Father, and by His Spirit, He has made you His Son, yes, that is enough. And if that isn't enough, nothing will ever be enough. No signs and wonders, no ministry, no church, no job, not a bank balance, not where you live, what you drive, or the price tag on your clothes. None of those things will ever be enough. That was a line from a country song, in case you didn't know. I just... <laughs> I just kicked into it, just, as I started to say it, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't go there without finishing it, but a little bit of chicken fried, in case you're wondering what the song was. <laughs> but then we put all these layers, because we haven't connected with our Heavenly Father. So I've got to have all of these layers that justify me. I've got to have all these layers that give me worth. If, the, if God the Father speaking worth over you is not enough, nothing will ever be enough. Are you doing okay this morning? 
We get insecure about who we are because we don't know whose we are. The scripture is plain in John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The critical word there is only. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And he does that with our identity. I'm still just picking up from last week a little bit, and then we're going to drive forward and see where we land this week. But we saw that was his challenge with Jesus, right? In Luke chapter 3, God the Father speaks over Jesus, you are my son, whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. And as we said last week, that represents identity, affection, and favor. Message received. You are my son, whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. Identity, affection, and favor. Message received. Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 4. The devil shows up. And what does he attack? Jesus' identity. If you are the son of God. Do this. Perform. Make this happen. Turn these stones into bread. Grow a ministry. Grow a church. Become the CEO. Do this. Do that. If you are the son of God. And he comes to rob and steal and kill and destroy. And his primary attack is against our primary identity. You're not good enough. You'll never be enough. You need to do this. You need to perform. You need to make this happen. You doing okay? I've told, I've told this story before. You know, the doctors told us for a number of years we'd, we'd never have children. And then Sandy got pregnant and when we had blue, I looked at this baby, 22 hours of labor. Is that right, babe? 26 hours of labor. Whoa. Don't forget the other four. Sorry, baby. <laughs> I left early, Darren says. <laughs> I'm not going to tell any of those stories again. But, but, but here's the thing. When, when blue was born and I looked down at this little life, I realized this, I have never loved another human being like this in my life, right? And, and what? And what's he, what have you done for me lately? Nothing. <laughs> Just lying there. No, the, the, the beautiful thing is that our love is not divided. When Blaze came along 22 months later, same thing. I've never loved another human being. My love is not now divided between them. It's multiplied because God has added. And you're doing all right. Yeah. I don't know where I was going with that illustration. What was I trying to say? <laughs> Some, somebody should be paying attention so, we can, so you can keep me on track. Yeah. Now what was I? Now what was I uh, here's the thing. You see, Jesus hasn't done anything. That's the critical part of this thing. Jesus hasn't done anything. And God the Father speaks over him. This is my son. Identity. Identity, my son is different from a son. When David says the Lord is my shepherd, that's different from David saying the Lord is a shepherd. My shepherd, there's a connection there. This is my son, whom I love, affection. With him I'm well pleased, favor. And we can rest in that. And I'm gonna show you that this morning. That's where we're going. You doing okay? <clears throat> and so the devil comes to rob and steal and kill and destroy. But the problem is this is that the devil is absolutely stupid. He's absolutely dumb. He's thick. He's a counterfeiter. In other words, he's not creative. He can't come up with new things. 
And so we can see the pattern here right from Genesis, right? Did God really say? Same challenge. Have you missed your connection with your heavenly father? Did God really say you couldn't do this? And then same thing, same pattern in Luke chapter 4. If you are the son of God. Same thing here, question and same thing here, question. Not one new idea in 6,000 years. Not one creative thought in 6,000 years. He can only twist and tarnish and distort. Can't come up with anything on his own. Are you doing okay? Don't get nervous now. Bible says absolutely greater is he that is within me than he that's in the world. And here the Bible says, I believe it's in Isaiah 14, that at the end of the age, the devil is going to be paraded before the saints and we're going to look on him and we're going to go, is this the man that shook the earth? Like incredulous, this little four foot two midget. Is this who we were afraid of? Right? We have nothing to fear from the enemy. Let me tell you now. Greater is he that is within me than he that's in the world. So don't get nervous on me. See, so he takes and he twists and he comes to rob and steal and destroy. And so here's the thing, right? Most of the time, when this phrase is used, like father, like son, most of the time it's used in a negative context. Just like your father. It's used in a negative context. Most of the time. When we understand scripture, Jesus says to the disciples, when they ask him that question, Jesus, would you show us the Father and that will be enough? He simply says this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, if we could say of Jesus, you're just like your father, what an incredible compliment. Right? Like father, like son, what an incredible compliment, the highest compliment of all. And I've often said that, that's my, as 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 I go before God. That is my prayer again and again and again for my family and for this church. I'm absolutely 100% convinced I will never be able to say that. But I do want to be able to say this at the end of my time. If you've seen me, you've seen something of the Father. I've demonstrated something of the Father's heart for you, my boy. I've demonstrated something of the Father's heart for the people that make up this church. Are you doing okay? So then it becomes a great compliment. Hebrews chapter 1, let's go there real quick. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. And it says this, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. Here we go. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The exact representation of his being. Like Father, like Son. Not in a negative context, but the highest compliment of all. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. Let's go look at that text quickly, John 14. It's the one I quoted a minute ago. You doing okay this morning, friends? So John 14, I'm going to read from verse 5. We could probably pick up a little bit down the way, but let's pick up verse 5 for now. So Thomas said to him, Lord... Uh, We don't know where you're going, 
So how can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's Jesus that reveals the Father to us. It's Jesus that reveals the Father. We're going to see this in just a second. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Here we go. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? And so he goes on to just describe this incredible relationship between him and the Father. So this is the, this is the Gospel of John. We know this John is the disciple that Jesus loved. John seemed to have this different level of intimacy with Jesus than the other disciples. And it's John that at the Last Supper, we see the picture of him lying against Jesus' chest. He's just, he's cuddled up with Jesus, can't get close enough, just wants more and more and more of Jesus. When the disciples write their accounts of the gospel, Matthew refers to the Father 44 times. Luke refers to the Father 14 times. Mark refers to the Father four times. And John, the disciple that Jesus loved, the disciple that was cuddled up against Jesus, references the Father 125 times. See, when we're close to Jesus, when, when we're close to Jesus, when we pressed in with Jesus, we catch the heartbeat of the Father. When our, when our, we, we, are, we are right in as close as we can get with the Lord. Just seeking intimacy with God, seeking intimacy with Jesus. We're going to catch the heart of the Father. We're going to understand this thing more and more about how we are sons of God. Go with your Bibles to Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1. I'm going to pick up, I think, uh, verse uh, 16. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me move on. I can comment on that. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Here we go, for he received, take careful note of that word, he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. Now doesn't this just reinforce our point that Jesus hadn't done anything, he didn't achieve, he received 
right? He hasn't achieved, he hasn't done anything yet, but the voice, this majestic voice from heaven speaks over him and says, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. Jesus received. So let's go to Romans chapter eight. Bit of Bible drill this morning. It's good though, right? Good to be in the word. Romans 8. We're going to read from verse 14. Because those who are led by the Spirit, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the Spirit of sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So how do we gain sonship? The same way Jesus did, we received. Nothing to be done. Once I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, His Spirit, big S, speaks to my spirit, little S, and says, you are a son of God. And it's by that Spirit that I can now lift my hands, lift my heart, Lift my eyes to heaven and acknowledge that I have a heavenly father who always has the best in mind for me. Are you doing all right? Yeah. I mean, you didn't have to do anything. Received. Received. You see, that's so much of the challenge of what we wrestle with with this thing. Because most of us, and it's the world we live in, we get real good at achieving. And not so good at receiving, right? This is important language for us. Acts 19, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Doesn't matter what you believe, did you receive? Because you can believe and not receive, right? I can believe. I can believe all kinds of things. The Bible tells us that even the demons believe in Jesus, right? So we can believe and not receive. In other words, it's out there somewhere. It's this truth that's out there, but I haven't received this truth by the big spirit, big S, into my little S, into my spirit that now testifies with the Holy Spirit that says I'm a son of God. And I've got a heavenly father who deeply cares about me and is deeply concerned about me. And I'm never out of his eye. I prophesied this over somebody last week. There's a, there's a greeting in Zulu. I can't remember the word now. But it, literally it means this, I see you, Lord. And so, so Zulus will yell this to each other as they as they meet in the bush. They'll see a guy coming, and literally what they're saying is, I see you. And the response is, I see you too. It's a beautiful greeting. When we understand that, can, can our Father, we are never out of our Father's eye. And when we can understand that, our Father speaking over us, I see you. When it's tambon, there we go. When it's the big S, saying, I see you, the little S can come back and say, I see you too, Lord. I see the glory of God. I see my Father in heaven. And now I can be in that place where I can receive. I don't have to achieve and strive and make things happen and try and do this and try and be that. I can just simply say, God, you have blessed me. I have received sonship by the Holy Spirit. You see, when we, when we, the minute we get away from that, the minute we get away from receiving, we have to go back to achieving. Those are the two options that we have. So the minute I get out of receiving, I'll go back to achieving. 
We spoke about this last week. Then we're back into striving. We're back into self-promoting. We're back into elbowing for position. We're back into trying to make other people look bad so we can make ourselves look good. And it's all this thing and thing and thing and thing because I'm not secure in this thing that I am a favored, loved son of God and I received it. I didn't have to do anything to earn it. In fact, I cannot do anything to earn it. Are you doing okay, friends? If that's not enough, I love Philip's word. Show us the Father and that will be enough. If that's not enough, then all of this other stuff starts to kick in. Where I preached, how many people I preached to, who got saved when I preached, what I've done, the miracles I've seen, what I was part of, all of this stuff. And it's like, can you just be a son? Because if that's not enough, I'm telling you now, all of that other rubbish will never be enough. Are you doing okay? It's this thing of belonging. I wish I could find this scripture. I read it this week in my devotional time. It says this, it says, Jesus is not embarrassed to call us his brothers. Is that not enough? Like now I feel like I've got to bring something to the table. I've got to add something to that. And not enough for Jesus to say, this is my brother. Show us the father and that will be enough. Are you doing okay? The minute we kick from receiving, we kick back into achieving. And I, 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 listen, I, I want to be absolutely 100% honest with you. I don't really know how it works. I, I really don't. All I know is it does. I've, to, I've told you the story. My dad died about 10 years ago and uh, left me a house in Johannesburg, South Africa. My mom and my dad were not wealthy people. My dad, Central Africa, my dad, uh, anyway. But they... But my dad bought a house in South Africa, paid it off. And so when my dad died, my dad left me the house. It was split between me and my sister. And uh, so we went across there. We sold the house. My uncle, who's a wealthy man, came and said, I've always liked this house. I would like to buy it. And so I said to him, well, you know, my dad worked hard his whole life to store up an inheritance for me. I can't give you the house. And so we settled on what the... Real estate agents had told us the evaluation was. We set a middle line, and he wrote a check. Wealthy guy wrote a check for the house. And, and so my sister and I split the inheritance. And my, my, that uncle was a, was a bit of a weird cat. You know, he was just like he didn't have deep relationships with the family. Like if we had him over for a barbecue and we ate outside, he'd take his plate and go sit inside. If we had him over for dinner, he'd take his plate and go sit outside. It was just like, it's a bit of a, never really, never, never really was like super involved in the family, right? So he buys the house, writes the check, buys the house. Two years later, that uncle died and left me the house. I sold that same house for the same price two years in a row. Double inheritance. I don't know how it works, but I know this. I received it. I know absolutely I didn't earn it, and I know absolutely I didn't achieve it. I don't even like that uncle. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he didn't like me. I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely 100% convinced he absolutely did not like me. Not even like just like neutral, like he actively did not like me. But how, how, how else can you explain that other than this? This is my son 
whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. And so we receive this thing of identity and affection and favor from our heavenly father. Are you doing okay? I don't understand how it works. I don't understand how it works. I just know that it does. If we can step into that place and if we can say it's enough, then all these other things come to us. If it's not enough, then we've got to strive and make it work and make it happen and do it like this. Are you doing all right? We arrived here in Colorado 10 years ago. Uh, nine, I guess, Ty and Nicole were leading the church. And just before, we arrived here in June of 2000. Is that right? Have I got, have I got the right year? 2000, we launched the church, right? Okay let, me just, okay, let me just tell you, if you get caught up in the details, you're never going to see the kingdom. I'm just telling you now. Anyway, I'm, just, I'm kidding. 2010, you're right. 2010, absolutely right. 2010, we arrived, right? We arrived on June 1st of 2010. Ty Nicole relocated from Australia. Some other people relocated to come here to be part of the church plant. And so we came as well from California, and we flew up here twice and had lunch with uh, uh, I think one time we had lunch with Ty and Nicole, one time we had lunch with uh, Ty and Russ, and this is what Tyron said to me, listen, but if you come, you come because you've heard God. You're not coming, I'm telling you now, you'll never be an elder in this church, I've got nothing for you here, but if you want to come and be part of it, we open to that. And we went back, and we prayed, and the one time we flew in here, as the airplane turned, and I looked east, this is what I heard God say, if you move here, I'll give you wide horizons. And so, we relocated here. We relocated here in June of 2010. In April of 2010, I was diagnosed with severe diverticulitis. Uh, let me tell you, your stomach, it's, a, it's a, uh, a thing in the stomach. Let me tell you, when your stomach's sick, your stomach's a big organ. When your stomach's sick, you're sick. It's not like I've got a sore pinky toe. Right? Your stomach's sick, you're sick. And I'm telling you now, I was sick. Ty Nicole led this church incredibly for five years. I was sick for four of those five years. Incredibly sick. Limited in what I could do. Limited in my energy. Limited in my travel. Limited in what I can do. Limited in my energy levels. Nearly killed me a couple of times. And it flew to New Zealand one time and we're in New Zealand and I have this severe attack of diverticulitis. And we go to this Kiwi doctor and she said to me, this is severe, you cannot fly, I'm going to give you all these uh, antibiotics and all this medication, and you come and see me in seven days or ten days or whatever. In the meantime, I'm supposed to fly like two days' time. She's like, you cannot fly like this. If this bursts in the air, life-threatening. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Ask Sandals, she gets this quite often. You're not my mom. So I'm like, uh -huh, yeah, okay, I'll take the medicine. Sure, I'll come see you in seven days. Uh -huh. Two days later, I was on, my, on the flight on the way home. When they did the scan, they're like, actually, your bowel has perforated. There's gas outside of your bowel. You could have died. Sick for four years. So many times, Ty asked me to do something, and I would have to say, Ty, I, I can't, but sorry, I'm just not there. I, can't, I don't have the energy. And then had the surgery. And I think it took me a year. I think it took a year to recover from that surgery. Cut 14 inches out of my colon. It was a year before I couldn't get down in the push-up position that it felt like stuff was tearing. A year. And in that year, 
Ty Nicole started to feel in God that their time to come was, uh, their time to lead was drawing to a close and they were starting to process handing over. There was a couple of guys here on eldership at the time and I was absolutely convinced of this. I was last in line. I was absolutely convinced, last in line. And we went through that process. It was a couple of months, I think, hey, Nicole? It was a couple of months, six months maybe from when Ty, and then Ty said, Ty said, okay, we, elders meeting, I'm going to announce who's taking over the church. And I, Sandy and I drove to that meeting. We said, can't be us. I mean, number one, I've been sick for four out of the five years, and I've been recovering for the fifth year. Can't be us. And I mean, surely Ty would have had a coffee with us to say, are you up for it? Is this what you see in your future? Surely you would have done that. So it can't be us. And we get in the elders meeting, and Ty runs through this whole thing, and he says, so it's Terry and Sandy. I'm telling you, there was nobody in that room more surprised than Terry and Sandy. <laughs> nobody. And, and, I know, and I know this. And I, you know, Ty, Ty and I ride together every now and then, and, and in that time of processing, Ty would text me, and he'd be like, hey, you want to go for a ride? And I would be, is it a ride or a job interview? Just messing him around. So when I asked him afterwards, when I said to him, hey, how about a conversation? How about we have a coffee? He's like, every time I tried, you just kept making jokes about it. I tried to have a conversation with you. I can promise you this 100%. It was not something I worked for. It was not something I achieved because I couldn't. I was sick. Just received. Just received. Now, what about the other guys? Were they not sons and not favored? I don't know. But they have gone on to find their own inheritance. All I know was this, was my father chose to give me my inheritance here. Are you doing okay? And it's received, not achieved. I did less than any of those other elders. Not because I didn't want to. Just I was sick. So many times, stuff going on. And Tyler, I need you there. Mr. Elders, getaways. Deacons, getaways. Leadership camps. Sorry, but can't make it sick. Right? Not achieved. Not striving for. Not working for. Just understanding this. I've got a heavenly father who speaks identity and love and favor over me. And if I stay in that position with my arms open wide, I will receive. You're doing okay? We deal with open hands, friends. Open hands. When our hands are open, sometimes God takes stuff out. Yeah? But if we ever close our hands, no, this is mine. Now, God can't take stuff out, but neither can he put stuff in. Now you've settled. I'm going to do this. I'm going to achieve. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to lay hold of this church. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And God says, okay, but you've got it. But I don't. If you do, I don't. And I'm telling you, I would rather have my hands open and say, God, you put stuff in and you take stuff out. Because I'm convinced of this. As a favored son, God will always put more in than he takes out. Are you doing okay? It's the heart of a father. Blaze texted me a couple of months ago from school. And he said, Dad, I need this and this and this. And I sent him back three little kissy faces. Yeah. 
Have you got something you want to share, babe? No. Okay. Oh, we're going to talk afterwards. Okay. But I, I sent him three kissy faces. And this text came back. I don't know what that means. So I sent this text back. It means I love you, my son, and I'll do anything for you. See, that's the heart of the father. That's the heart of the father. Uh, and when your kids are in college, you have a lot of those conversations. Yeah? I need this. I need that. I'm short of this. Can I, can I, do th- can I have this? And then Blaze texted me the one time from school, and he said, Dad, can I call you later to talk? And I'm like, yeah, sure, son. And then he called, and he said, Dad, can we just talk? I feel like I have all these conversations with you where I need stuff, but I just need to hear your voice. Can I just talk? This is the heart of the father. It's the heart of a son understanding, actually, the thing that I want is this intimacy with my father. I remember my daughter, Shanae, one time crying, and, and I, went into the, I went into the room. She was probably three or four years old. And I went into the room and, and I said, what's wrong, my baby? And she said, Daddy, I'm scared of the dark. Can you put the light on? And I just lay down with her. And she stopped crying like this. See, she didn't need the light. She needed the father. Sometimes we think we need all of this stuff when what we need is the father. I want to do this and do that and do this. Actually, can we just slow things down? And can I just have this connection with my heavenly father so he can speak over me? This is my son. It's so hard sometimes for women to receive this. I, I don't know why that is. I'm, maybe one day a lady can talk me through that. But I, I, can, I can promise you this. I, I, I speak this often. And, and often when I pray it over, over women, I've often had women, as I start to speak, they start to shake their head like, no, that can't be right. No, that can't be true. Now, literally at times as I prayed for women, I've had to say, stop shaking your head. Just receive. Just receive. Receive this identity. We spoke about this last week, right? No male, no female. The thing that we are all sons of God doesn't diminish from femininity. It elevates it. In that culture, daughters never received an inheritance. When God speaks of a woman and says, you are my son, he's elevating them to equality and saying, you have an inheritance in Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ. What is Christ's inheritance is our inheritance. We are co-heirs. My sister and I were co-heirs in my father's estate. Are Are you doing okay? When we understand that, we don't have to fight and elbow and Joel prayed so wonderfully in the, in the prayer meeting before, before the meeting this morning about the unity that we have in this church. I'm telling you, this is a part of it. We know God will bless us. So we don't have to fight each other for the blessing. God's going to bless all of us. Show us the Father. That'll be enough. Let me see the Father. That'll be enough. You know, when my sister and I divided my, my dad's estate, and my mom had died a little bit a couple of years before that, when we divided, I, I, can, I can absolutely promise you this. We spent 10 days together in South Africa just working through all this stuff. There was not one single item, whether it was an item of clothing, an item of jewelry, an item of furniture, there was not one single item that we wrestled with or argued about because we understood this, our Father had blessed us. 
And so my sister said, I want that. I was like, sure. I said, I want that. She's going to sure. Well, whatever you, just take it because our Father has blessed us. When, when, we, when we are sons and co-heirs with Christ, we don't have to fight for any inheritance. We know our Father's going to take care of us. We don't have to fight for blessing. We know our Father's going to take care of us. Are you doing okay? We receive it. We don't achieve it, friends. We receive it. We don't achieve it. When we get there, we have a completely different perspective. When Jesus teaches the disciples to pray, he says, when you pray, pray like this, our Father in heaven. Now, the old language used to say art. Our Father art in heaven. Who art in heaven? And my buddy, when he preaches this, he always used to say, that's the problem. God art in heaven and we art on the earth. Right? And what he's trying to say is this, we've got the wrong perspective. But when we connect with our Heavenly Father and we get this heavenly perspective, I can remember in the early days of our marriage, going before God and saying, God, I need to talk to you about my wife. And it's a biblical pattern, right? Adam said that. Lord, it's the woman. <laughs> it's the woman you gave me, Lord. Surely it can't be my fault. It must be the woman. Yeah? Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the snake, and the snake didn't have a leg to stand on. That's how that thing works. But yeah, but here's the thing. See, when we've got an earthly perspective, God, I need to talk to you about my wife. And this is what my father, this is what my father said to me. I said, God, I need to talk to you about my wife. And he said, You mean my daughter? Whoa, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, Lord, different perspective. See, when we connect with our Heavenly Father, He gives us a heavenly perspective. Not so much your wife, bro. Let's talk about my daughter first. That's her primary identity. You want to stand before God and say, God, you are my primary identity, but her, no, she's my wife. That's her primary identity. Not a chance. Forget about it. You mean my daughter. And I want to tell you, it changed for me. This year, we've been married 28 years. It changed for me in the early days of my marriage how I pray for his daughter. Right? And I want to tell you this. I pray very, I pray very little for change in Sandy. Very, very little. Right? If that's her primary responsibility, my prayer flipped completely. And I started to pray like this. God. Make me the man your daughter needs. God, make me the man your daughter deserves. God, make me the man your, you would have chosen for your daughter. Are you doing okay? Heavenly perspective. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And then that goes on to say this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. See, that's the point. The minute we align and the minute we connect and the minute we get this heavenly perspective, understanding that I'm a favored son who has identity, love, affection, and favor, I'm starting to get a heavenly perspective on what's happening here on the earth. Are you doing okay? And it completely changes everything. It changes everything. It changes my perspective on absolutely everything. And I can pray it like that. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That mostly means my kingdom does not come and my will does not get done. In case you were wondering. Right? Our Father, who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. And we can stand in that place and say, Father, as a favored son, I receive what it is you want for me from heaven. No argument, no fight, no nothing. My primary identity, my primary source of joy, favor, and blessing. Let's stand together. Caleb, can we have the worship team back up? Let's do that song again, Caleb. Father wants us to settle some things here this morning, friends. Wants us to settle some things. I love that text in Romans 8. It says, His spirit, big S, testifies with our spirit, small s. We just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning. To speak identity and love and affection in favor over us this morning. Can we settle it this morning? See, like I said, we get real bad at receiving and real good at achieving. And the problem with this, the minute we get bad with receiving, we kick back to achieving. Can we just settle some things this morning, friends? Settle sonship this morning. Settle your position in his family. That's funny, my sons both think they're my favorite. And I tell them both they're my favorite in front of each other. But the truth is, there's no such thing. Like I said, when Blaze was born, my love for Blue wasn't divided. My love was just multiplied. And that's what happens when we understand sonship. Not one of us can say I'm a favorite son or I'm a favored son. Every single one of us is a favorite son and a favored son. We just settle that this morning. Settle your place in this church, friends. Settle your place in this family, friends. Just receive. Lift your hands now if God's speaking with you. God's touching you. Just lift your hands. Just lift your hands and receive. It doesn't have to be about any other identity. It doesn't have to be about my past because my future is secure. I'm a co-heir with Christ. Doesn't matter what anybody said about you in the past or over you in the past. You don't have to be who your father said you were or who your teacher said you were or who your ex-husband or ex-wife said you are. You can just receive. I asked last week and I was amazed by the response. How many of you didn't know your father? How many of you were abandoned by your father? I was amazed by the response. How many people put their hands up? This morning, it doesn't matter, friends. This morning, you can receive sonship from your heavenly Father. You can receive sonship 
by the big S, by the Holy Spirit speaking to our small S. By that Spirit, we receive the Spirit of Sonship. And by that Spirit, we can cry, Abba, Father. Just receive, friends. Just receive. Just receive right where you stand.